Herbert is being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Guyton. Caught! Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us on the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. Andy here with Alistair and Jack. How are the boys? Woo! Very good, mate. Very, very good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing. <laughs> I'm doing good, mate. I'm, look, I don't know if I'm that good. Okay. I've just been. Th- I've just been thinking. Being a Chargers fan, and this has just come to me, being, being a Chargers fan is kind of like getting catfished. It is. Like last week, we're so bloody excited. We're talking about, you know, 200 rushing yards. It's kind of like, you know, you're talking, you, you might be talking to this good looking girl on the internet and suddenly you get invited to go to a cinema and meet up with a girl and then you ter- turn up and there's no one there and ends up being Edmundo or... Or someone online, you're just like, well, thought things were pretty going pretty well, and then suddenly it's four offensive series and no points scored, and you're like, okay, this feels warm, this is familiar, this is Chargers football. Uh, I guess now we know what Manti Teo felt like for a very long time. Uh, Andy, uh, Alistair just rudely interrupted stuff, my my introduction to you, but you have some fantastic and exciting news. Could, would you love to share with our the TDU crew? Yeah, thanks, mate. Uh, do have some wonderful news. Um, my wonderful fiance Cash is pregnant with our first child on the way. Woo! So we've yeah! got a, a baby boy due, baby boy, and a new member of the TDU crew due um, February around Super Bowl time. So yeah, hopefully a good omen. Um, two big things coming in that month. Fingers crossed. But yeah, very exciting times. Yeah, looking forward to be asking you a lot of questions, Jack, uh, once you commence the next stage of the voyage. <laughs> no well, doubt. We've, yeah, we're very yeah. close. We're close to popping. So who knows when the little one will pop out. But uh, no, awesome news, Andy. I'm so, so happy for you, um, as, as I know Thank Alistair fellas. is as well. Appreciate it. From one father to yeah, another. Yeah, all the, all the little ones running around. Uh, just get them in training for some special charges comments. Um and a uh, part of the guest series in years to come. But uh, excited, <laughs> very excited. <clears throat> uh, uh, before news. we get into uh, preseason week two, catching up on some news, Alan, I'm going to throw to you what's been going on. Not a lot. A few press conferences after a practice earlier today, US time. Interestingly, the running backs took the mic today Josh Kelly, Isaiah Spiller, mm. and Kellen Moore. Geez, they're making it pretty pretty clear, reading between the lines, that they didn't like the rush attack last last year. That's my interpretation. They could not say more clearly that Kellen Moore's scheme is a downhill mm. scheme. Mm. Spiller says it's similar to what Jimbo ran at A&M for him, and Kelly's like, I'm a one-cut runner. I like getting downfield. So they're all excited, and if they're excited, I'm excited. That's my main takeaway. Let's run the football, baby. Absolutely, and it flows on. Uh, it's just the rapport that they're building with the run blockers as well, enjoying it as well. They're, they're loving getting out off the ball and hitting guys, so it's great. It's all you can really ask for is uh, as long as they can put translate that onto 
results on the field. It was sort of a big bar to expect, wasn't it? The um, the two hundred odd rushing yards in the week one uh, still ran the ball pretty well, but um, hmm. yeah, bit of come down to earth across the board, really. Jack, what are you what have you been noticing this week? I think we've uh, we've wave injured Andrew Trainer, the offensive tackle. Uh, sad to see him go. You're a big trench guy. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Listen. <laughs> To be honest, I, I hardly even gave it a second thought, poor guy. But uh, what have I been noticing? I guess I have been grappling with what we're going to do at tackle because what I saw against the Saints... That's why I brought that up. Yeah, well, good segue. You know me well. Because uh, what I saw against the Saints was uh, not, not good at all. Um, but before we get into that, I thought maybe um, how surprised I was actually at the uh, the solidity and the depth in the interior line because Bailey, mm. uh, Clap, and uh, Solia to it to a lesser extent. And Alistair, I know you weren't a huge fan of Heimers's game, but I saw enough in there. I'm happy to explore that, but you yeah. you go first. I've kind of changed changed my mind on. Yeah, it. I actually thought Heimers played quite well um, under center, and I thought was that well Zach Bailey was the highest rated PFF. Clearly, on my my second watch of the offensive line, he was the strongest, and McFadden was was fantastic too. I thought Ooh, Fa- yeah. fantastic being a maybe being slightly hyperbolic, but solid. Um, so why did you, Alistair, think that Heimers had, had a had a less than good game? Because from what I saw, the snaps were great. Uh, uh, there was no fumbling, which, I mean, is a big thing for a center, and that's what we expect, but it's a hard skill to pull yep. off. And I saw him pick up a couple of blitzes, and his head was on a swivel more than more than more more often than not. So, yeah. I- agree. He, he had a handful of reps that were just clear losses that to me kind of manifested some of his issues. I see his main issues being play strength. Yeah. In Nebraska, he was a right tackle, kind of played him as a guard and now moved him to center. So the body size required for those positions are quite different. And, you know, PFF charted him as having, as giving up three pressures uh, and that kind of reflected what I saw, two hits in a hurry. And when he does lose, I find he loses because a defensive tackle who's kind of bigger and stronger than him gets better leverage and you see him push right back into the quarterback's lap. Don't quote me on this TDU crew. It might have been the Chiefs, but he came into play during the regular season last year and it was a bit of a disaster because that's what happened. And I saw elements of that happening to him again on the weekend against backup defensive tackles so i'm a bit i'm just a bit worried someone's going to have to miss out in this group typically you'll take nine offensive linemen and uh look i think he's fighting for his life out there for a roster spot because will claps the backup center so where does that leave heimers like why are they playing not playing him at guard i guess would be my question interesting one uh, yeah, that's right. And I think that Jordan McFadden is light years ahead of where Hymas is in his, in his third year as well. Um, I just wanted to highlight, I said I've got a couple of uh, little sayings that I like to talk about when I talk about offensive line. Um, the What I saw from McFadden, again, watching him really closely, I call this uh, recoverableness. And he has a recoverability into his game. Turn it up. <laughs> That I see that when he is yeah, when good. when he loses at the point of attack or he loses slight leverage, he is good enough to hold up that uh, defensive player to not give up a uh, either a sack or a hurry or a rush. 
And what I also love about him, and this is a little bit of coach talk, it's the head on a swivel leading to bear, bear, grizzle, baby. That's what I love. He, um, out of all the offensive linemen over the last two weeks of watching, when he finishes an assignment or he's getting out to run, I see him finish straight away. He's turning around saying, what can I do next and who can I get my hands on? Looking for work, looking for I work. Road grader, road grader. So um, McFadden's great and, and the interior depth is looking really, really solid. Would you agree though that this week the offensive line was more of a problem than last week and that's kind of why Stick's performance was more helter-skelter? Uh, I, uh, well, I think parts of the offensive line were shocking, yes, which is the tackle spots. Uh, but the interior, I thought, held up relatively well given what was happening yep. on the edges because when the pocket starts collapsing, I thought Stick had less time – like and quite clearly less time to throw than what he did last week. Um, but yeah, the the Pleasance and Sorrell tandem is just, oh, I, I don't know what to, I'm really yeah, worried about that. Quite unpleasant, yeah, wasn't it? very unpleasant. Hey. Now, look, I know, look, we've got to get, we've got to throw our host back in because we're the uh, big lineman chat guys, whereas Prof's a skill <laughs> position dude, quarterback, well, running back, receiver. <laughs> well. Talk to us about Eastern Stick, Profy. What did, how did you think he looked compared to last, last week's game? Um, I think that Eastern Stick came back to earth, um, mm -hmm. regressed a little bit into what I recall to be his old self in the limited stuff that I've seen, hung on to the ball a little too long, used his feet really well. Like he's a good athlete um, and he maybe more often than not, he will pick the right time to go and when to go. Um, and that showed, I think he had 63 rushing yards, which is great, but Certainly a more muddy pocket than last week. Um, obviously, we've, you guys have touched well and truly onto um, the the line. But, uh, yeah, I think there was just a little bit of indecision um, that crept in and, you know, look, possibly a, a better opponent as well. Uh, a defense that they haven't really seen. Rams run a sort of similar defense, I guess, to the Chargers, Raheem Morris. So, uh, yeah, it's something they haven't seen. Dennis Allen's a, a, a great defensive mind and um, them Saints go hard. So, yeah, look, combination of all of those things, I don't think it's too much to worry about. Still made some decent plays, but accuracy was an issue. Um, the first interception, just not seeing um, the guy coming in off the side in that zone. Yeah, look, not great, but... I thought that looked worse on the broadcast than on the kind of um, from-behind view. Mm. Looked awful on the broadcast. When you see you him sort of don't see him from that the cornerback kind of just appeared. Yeah. 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 He so, just was yeah. sort of trailing yeah, the wide one. out and then just drifted off inside and was like, thanks. And yeah, I guess look. Staley did say that the Saints gave them some pretty exotic and pro looks on defense as well. But Alistair, I want to ask you, does this mm. shake your faith in Kellen Moore at all? Given how all of a sudden it was that the running game was pretty much stunted and Stick looked quite confused and we were struggling to actually produce yards. Uh, hasn't shaken my faith, no. I I really try my best to read precious little into preseason. So, like, if – like, I saw enough last week to know, okay, this guy has good feel for certain runs to call in certain situations. The I thought a lot of the running issues were kind of offensive line related this week. And it's not the starting offensive line, so that makes it makes it difficult to put it or pin it all on the play caller. I think mm -hmm. 
for what it's worth, Isaiah Spiller had a couple really nice Ooh, runs, yeah. especially that draw call where he might have got 16 or 17 yards through the red area. For sure. That's all the stuff you saw him doing in college where he'd make a couple of guys miss. Um, he's patient. Mm-hmm. He, he To me, he's one of the real um, preseason stars where – for whatever reason, we didn't see almost anything from him last year. Barely took the field in the regular season. Whereas he looks like he he looks like he is growing into his body because he was only a twenty year old when he was drafted. Yeah. And good signs from him. Absolutely. So no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not super worried mm. about it. Yeah, I don't even think that there's any kind of question. I, we spoke last week a little bit about Kellen Moore being the QB mind and crafting. The, the game plan to the QB um, and helping him out. I don't know if he didn't do that. Uh, I think Stick probably was a little bit 21 to 41, pretty inaccurate. So I don't think mm. there's too much to look into about Kellen Moore not doing the right thing. It's just a bit of execution that wasn't really there. What? Running back, Isaiah yeah. Spiller was great. Super exciting to see him, Al. Um, I, that draw play was great, but I really liked the maybe first quarter – um, to the right, looks like a dead end, absolutely was. Then had the wherewithal to sort of footwork's really great coming back inside and only picked up three or four, but it's mm. just that recognition and the that maturity, the the mind to to make that call and do it and execute it. And he looks like... Avoided a big loss. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you talk about Josh Kelly being a one-cut runner. That's a one-cut tackle for loss in, in my eyes if the shoe's on the other foot. So it's just a little... Um, diversity and dimension another dimension to the to the group um and yeah like you said earlier they're all having a heap of fun so andy how do you i was gonna say andy how do you feel there's been some rumblings on charges twitter that why didn't we get to see duggan in this game as well and it was all eastern stick what's your read on that you know uh do you think that it was just stick's game and he needed to work through some things do you think we'll see duggan 100 percent of the time uh in our in our preseason week three what's the what's the, what are your what are your thoughts on that yeah, it's an interesting one. I, sh- I sure thought thought of it uh, when I was watching. I thought I'd ex- sort of expected to see Duggan come out in the second half. Um, but then as the game went on and the nature of the game as well, I kind of agreed with what Staley said in his post-game presser. Was, it was just that moment where we thought, he's actually played bugger all. So let's give him this to go through. It's a close game. It's there to be won. Um, there's going to be those moments in it. So... Let's um, and that just sort of seems like the most sensible kind of answer. Does it mean that we'll see Max Duggan completely in week three? I don't know. I think they'll probably go back to Easton for the first half, um, uh, or the first quarter, and then we'll see a little bit of uh, Dougie Doug. But mm. no, nah, I'm expecting more Easton. I don't see why they'd just give Duggan a whole game when he's spoken about Staley's spoken about Easton Stick needing more reps in sort of a better live environment. But it's interesting. Who's more likely to need to bail the team out in exactly. a spot start? Yeah. So from that perspective, give the guy as many game snaps as possible. Absolutely. He's had precious agree. few. And I kind of reckon, like, let's say we're in a real disaster scenario where Herbert gets injured and Stick gets injured. I don't think they're playing Doug and I think they're su- signing someone. So I'm really quite, uh, it doesn't bother me at all. Is it short of it? Yeah. It's, I, I just thought it's, it's an interesting one. It's you're doomed. If you do doomed, if you don't, people would suggest that, Oh, you need to see what you've got in a seventh round pick. We already know what Eastern stick is and he's a known commodity. Yes. But then the argument you just made uh, very eloquently. Yeah, is he a known commodity? 
Or like they've seen two sides of a coin this these last two weeks. I don't know what he is really. Or it's just Duggan came out and couldn't do anything. This guy's nowhere near pro ready, and it's just not fair on everyone else who uh, is on the field to have him out yeah. there. Uh, or they wanted to win the game. Yeah, we saw that last week, Jack. We saw that last week. I think they don't just want to evaluate quarterbacks; they want to evaluate wide receivers and running yeah. backs too. So far more I think importantly, last week with Duggan, they just thought, mm, well. Maybe needs a bit more time in the. Well, oven. that's a good segue, right? I mean, what are your reads on? Uh, oh, Alistair, what's your read on the, QJ? The bread because, ready. <laughs> well, he's what's your read on QJ? Because uh, it seems like he caught. He, he caught. Didn't look as fumbly. Uh, PFF released their top-rated rookies today, and he was number five, number six. So he's sitting up there. Uh, but yet there are all these still grumblings and out of you know Popper's article said, "Oh, QJ dropped a couple, looking a bit fumbly." It was almost a hit piece, yeah. wasn't it? I, um, Just like, waiting, I, I, waiting. I, I, oh, dropped it. I I thought he played like that was better. He still doesn't quite take it out in front like that. There's an element of against his chest. But, you know, he caught everything thrown his way against the Saints. But Popper's article was real. You know, he dropped two important ones that he had no business dropping. and And then the little nugget just to put the knife in. After training, um, Palmer, yes. Williams, and Keenan were working on the jugs machine, and QJ wasn't. Yes, yeah, that's like <laughs> wow. Well, I put okay. that in there. Like this could have been like the one day QJ wasn't on the jugs machine. Yeah. All that does is like that just blows up on Twitter when people read that. So, but then again, Popper's a very thoughtful guy. He's an excellent beat reporter. So maybe he's seeing more, and he's trying to communicate to us that hey, just be patient with QJ because he's drop the ball a lot all through training camp and this might show up in games. And I think, I think it's probably going to show up in games is, is my prediction, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess it's my turn to, to ask something and I, maybe before we move off running game related or offensive line related chat, I see two kind of issues holding back the running game, holding back effective passing from the weekend tight ends. Mm. Running like run blocking from the tight ends was positively shit ass, <laughs> and positively unpositive. <laughs> offensive tackle pass protection. So this is the time where teams actually they evaluate what they have and they think we can't go into week one with this scenario, so we're going to sign someone. Don't mind who speaks to this, but do do we think the Chargers need to make a move either to sign another veteran tackle or trade for a tackle or sign for a tight end, trade for a tight end? Uh, I think that there is definite need to bring in tight end depth, uh, run blocking t- um, tight end depth, and, and pass blocking for that matter as well, if you're a big fella. And yes, the current backup tackle situation scares the absolute shit out of me. So... Uh, yeah, work needs to be done. Something, Jack, yeah, go in I, more depth. Well, your philosophical <laughs> now on it. We haven't seen Xander Horvath on the field at all, and I thought he would be involved mm. in the power run game more so, whether he's lining up to the left or the right of the right tackle and the left tackle or whether he's in the backfield. So I don't know what Kellen Moore has in store in terms of utilising him because we haven't seen him at all in the preseason. Uh, I haven't even read anything about him being utilised. So is he purely a special teamer and uh, who knows there? Because that... You know, if if I if I know that Xander Horvath is going to be used like that because he's an absolute physical specimen, then the depth in the tight end room doesn't worry me as much. 
The tackles are another issue um, because, well, Pleasance, we know, I won't make the roster. That was very clear. Um, he was definitely worse than Foster Sorrell. I did have in my notes, though, is attack is the tackle position more difficult when you don't have pro players around you? So when you've got McKitty, you know, to your right as a as a right tackle, and you've got maybe um, you know a second or third stringer in in a in a Bailey or a or a um, or a McFadden there, does it make your job that much harder? Does it make it even, are you exposed even more because you don't have a really good center who's diagnosing the pressure? Does it make it harder and do you show up more when you don't have a great signal call around the center? I mean, I was trying to give the benefit of the doubt to both of them because Sorrell, to his credit, in big games did actually look okay in points, not as useless as he has been over the last two weeks and same with Pleasance. It's an interesting one. I I, I don't know the ins and outs of offensive uh, line play that deeply to, to perhaps answer those, but Alistair, did, would you have a, are you, would you pontificate over that? Uh, I think that the Chargers third offensive tackle is Jamari Sawyer. Yeah. That's what I think. I think their plan is we're going Slater and Pipkins. And if one of those goes down, God forbid, we're going to shift Sawyer across and geez, Bailey and McFadden have looked real good. They can play guard. And that makes me feel a bit more comfortable because we saw how good Sawyer was last year. Is it really important that your offensive tackle four is able to step in and play well? You decide, listeners. There are some names out there. Josh Jones is an offensive tackle for the Cardinals who suggestions are could be traded for. You have really older veteran guys like Jason Peters who one day will be in the Hall of Fame. He wants to go you know, around again for what's almost his 20th season in the league. So there could be names there, but I think there's a real shortage of offensive tackle talent in the league. You're seeing it across league-wide. The Jets are struggling, lots of teams. The Bills, Mm. they're all looking to sign someone. And the only names you can find are like Jason Peters, Taylor Lewan. There's no one to sign. All right, Alistair, gun to your head. Are you signing a tight end or are you signing a tackle? What do you do? You've got one. You've got to choose. Tight end. Wow, interesting. Mm. Yep. I am, because I do think we've got three competent tackles in the house and McFadden played tackles his whole career for Clemson. Well put. Tight end, I don't know if we've got one good tight end in the room. We might have, you know, three quarters of one Yeah. out of four. Yeah. No disrespect. Well, especially, I mean, look, Gerald Everett's good. He's not top 10, but he's doing a good job. Um, and everyone else, Parham's not stepping up. McKitty's McKitty. And Stone Smart's the other guy who is giving it a red hot go. Yeah. He was um had moments of being really I'm, impressive. I'm, he was the lead I'm, the lead I'm blocker. I'm glad you mentioned him, man. Well, he was the lead blocker. Not only you know he led the tight end room with receptions four for thirty seven or something off the top, and he was the lead blocker in one of uh, Sticks rushing touchdowns. Um, cool. It's good. Good to see the fight. I like it more than I got Kent a request. Moyer, personally. Yeah, me too. I um I got a request on bolts from the blue from Fiat Books, one of the user like one of the users on the site. He said, uh, uh, "Al, can we expect can we expect um, a song about about Stone Smart?" And I said, "I don't know. Like I did, you know, Sage Surratt was one thing. Maybe if he makes the team, we can do a Stone Smart song." So. <laughs> TDU crew, if there's any parody song you think would be appropriate for Stone Smart, let me know. If he makes the roster, 
it's gonna. I'm gonna whip it out. Much to uh, Kev Diego's chagrin. chagrin. Yeah, oh, it's, oh, it's it's fascinating. I don't know. I, I was hoping because I saw enough. I, there were a couple of blocks from McKitty last week that I went, oh, actually this looks okay. Maybe he's he's improved. But yeah, the the tight end room is is a fascinating one. Uh, again, Horvath. What, what's he gonna do? Where's he gonna be? I would sign. Yeah, is that is. You'd sign a tackle, would you? Is he a cut candidate, guys? Because, like, I interpret him not playing an offensive snap as meaning he's safe, but he was playing on special teams. Mm. Is it a, could he is be it, a surprise it, cut or is he totally safe? Is no, it I'm an here. ace up the sleeve? Is it like a... I think it's more like you that. Know? Yep. You think it's more like that? Mm. I think tight end's more important than tackle too. I'm with Al on the... Being able to move things around, even though you'd like Solia to start at right guard and keep him there. <clears throat> yeah, I think tight ends an important thing. We just got no no versatility. A little bit of chip and block stuff, but I saw a, one of um Eastern Sticks sacks. Hunter Campmore just got like he just put his hand up and the guy just walked past him to assist with the takedown. And I was like, dude, you didn't even see him. Like, that stinks. Why are we cursed with the tight ends? Congratulations to Antonio Gates on getting inducted into the <laughs> Good segue. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, you got there. Yeah. Nice. No, good on him. Very good. All right, moving along. Have we got – oh, we've got more room for the receivers now that we're getting into that game. We spoke a bit about oh, QJ yeah. and um, just upping his consistency. We finally got to see John Hightower on the field and mm. oh, that was a bit of a car crash. Not great. Um, a few balls that were thrown his way were crud but also just wasn't really in tune. Um, quite a surprise considering... Two false starts. Yeah. Um, yeah, not great. Uh, Keelan Doss. He's been playing pretty well the last uh, couple of games and has been relatively consistent in training camp throughout. So maybe he's yep. jumped the jumped ahead of um, Hightower on that depth. I know Hightower does have the return flexibility, but Killandos is actually like a big sized guy. He's almost like a tight end sized dude. Um, it's just a, you know, maybe we don't need that extra body with, um, you know, Mike Will and QJ, but yeah, he's, he's performing. So, you know, you can only reward that, I guess. But, I, I, um, Coach I, Andy, yeah. if, if, if you're Staley, do you put more stock into all the plays Hightower is making with Herbert during training camp and joint scrimmages or what Hightower did in a real game, SoFi Stadium pressure, real real life stuff. Uh, even though it's a different quarterback, um, well, I'd think if he's not, you know, catching, if he's not, you know, in tune with the line and the snap of the ball, causing false starts. If he's not catching the ball thrown by Easton Stick, I don't think he's going to fare any better trying to catch Justin Herbert's throws, or you know, when it's real life game time. So, you know, maybe that's um. They speak, Staley speak highly of him, but, you know, you can only perform, right? So maybe that's uh, not the way. I just don't think there's room. Yeah. I just don't think there's room for Doss. I don't think there's room for uh, for Hightower either. And I, it's almost null in point because of Davis's, Darius Davis playing in the slot and the way that he can catch the ball. Yeah. I, I, think, I, good, I, I think we're rolling six deep. I think we're going Allen Williams, Palmer, QJ, Guyton, Davis. And because and it frees up a roster spot. Well, it depends if Guyton is on the pup list to start the year. 
And if he is, do you want a sixth wide receiver or are you happy to go five wide receivers and someone on another position? Well, I think if Guyton's still on pup, I think you go five and you hope, well, depending on how severe Guyton's injury is, but if Guyton comes back, you want to, you want to, with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen missing as many games as they did last year, you think that it's worth the risk to gamble again? Yep. I do. This offensive change. Because I think there's other players that deserve a roster spot that are just on the edge in other positions because you can say the exact same thing for the defensive line. And I would say that our defensive line hurt us more last year than the lack of receivers did last year. That's just my personal opinion. That's fair with the injuries that they had. Yep, for sure. Because we had other guys step up to be able to – Josh Correct. Palmer was great, et cetera. So, and yep, and I, think with, I think with Justin Herbert as well with – the the come the coming along of Spiller, the coming along of Kelly, the coming along of uh Eckler as well. I think there's gonna be enough weapons to throw the ball ever it. I mean, and with Moore's scheme, it's not gonna be relying on stick routes. I know we've we've done that one to death. Uh, but I think there's gonna be far more creativity and Herbert will be able to get the ball to all sorts of different other weapons. Uh so that's how I would roll. There you go. Might be controversial, but oh well. Uh, no, it's fair it's, enough. It's fair call. Cool. See the rationale. We got anything further on the receiving group or the offensive as a whole? One final point. It's a, this was like a bit of a preseason hype monkeys struggled. It was like more like hypothermia, really. It was Elijah Dotson and John Hightower. They're two of the like, everyone was so excited about Dotson and dropped consecutive pass attempts that basically ruined the game. And John Hightower, everyone's so excited to see him in a game and false starts galore and kind of struggled. So I don't know. Yeah, Dotson. A bit, a bit sad. A lot of mm. Bolt, fam, Bolt fam was keen to see them yep. play. The game is played between the sticks and it's played between the ears. That's it, baby. A week is a long time in footy, as we say in AFL, for poor Elijah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's anyway. right. Should we move on to the defense? No. Disappointing in the receiving game. Still showed a little bit of pizzazz in the running game, but, you know. Yeah, defense. What do you got, Jack? Do you want to start in the line again? I know yeah. that's where your eyes were glued. Yeah. that was know what a cornerback was if it hit you in the face. Correct, or a safety or anything like that. Uh, let's start. I won't start with the big boys. Um, I was gonna, I'm going to start off with one of the guys that absolutely popped off my screen and I commented or I tweeted or exited, whatever the fuck you call it now. I don't know what it is. Um, but my super, super Saiyan Diane, super Saiyan Diane Henley, that guy, the difference that he showed from week one to week two, he seemed to be diagnosing faster. Yeah. He was still a little late to some tackles, but um, the speed that he showed from sideline to sideline. And this guy was just everywhere. Crazy he speed. Was absolutely everywhere. And his ability to get into passing lanes, that instinct to know where to be, to disrupt either the route or to disrupt the throw was fantastic. This guy, I have this sneaky feeling that he's going to be very good. He's going to be very, oh, very yeah. good. Um, and yeah, listen, when he, I'm sure that when he plays his first snap in the pros, he might, again, it, it'll be a little bit too much for him in his first year. But he's showing me, like Justin Herbert did from week to week, he showed growth. He showed yep. development. So Diane, Super Saiyan Henley, 
Uh, love you. Well done. Well, well done. Um, Alistair, I, this is something that I did want to bring up yes. with you. I wrote in my notes that the, the defense seems to be more airborne. And let me just uh, explain what I try and mean by airborne. It seems that passing lanes are more disrupted. It seems that hands are around the ball a lot more and players are tending to jumping a bit more. And, and there just seems to be more disruption than I can remember from last season. Would you agree? And what would be some of the reasons why perhaps we're seeing this in the preseason with these guys that, you know, aren't, you know, they're not top tier talent. Um, and is this, this is a very long winded question. And is it maybe a sign of what first team defense is doing, given the notes from Popper saying that the defense is kind of dominating the, the off season camp? Bit to unpack there. I haven't noticed more of it. I don't doubt that it's happening. Could be a product of more talent on the field, just better players, better depth. I think there are a few guys really stepping up the moment. Like Dean Leonard, to mm -hmm. me, looks terrific yeah. as a backup cornerback. My boy, I'm happy to claim him. I love what we've seen from Dean Leonard. Um, same with Tooley. I like Tooley's had such an impressive start to the preseason. From his few snaps he's been on the field, he looks mature. His body's mature. He does those veteran things, like you say, Jack. Like he's got a good awareness when to rush, when not to. He's asked to drop back in coverage a bit more. I know some fans aren't happy with kind of Staley's scheme and how edge rushers drop into coverage sometimes, but maybe that's what you're seeing, Jack. Maybe sometimes you drop into coverage, you get a hand up, you batter mm. pass, results in an interception the other way. Because, geez, guys like Bowie, Joey Boza, Khalil Mack, Tooley, they've got great instincts. So I like seeing it. And maybe the rest of it is blokes fighting for their lives. Yeah. Matlock, Hinton, all these guys. I've got to do something here. If you're going to throw it, I'm going to jump. Oh, they were going. That pass. They were everywhere. You're seeing Hinton getting tackles on the sideline, Matlock getting a tackle on a, um, on a screen. Like, awesome. Awesome how just how much energy they're flying around. Um, Diane Henley was the the perfect example to start that off, Jack. That's um he was really impressive. Like, you know, tempering, he's only played two preseason games of NFL, but mm. the athletic traits are there and once he starts to learn a little bit more about his role, he had had the green dot for the first half, so there's trust and he's mm. obviously an intent uh an intellect and can and a leader as well so it's really good signs really really good signs to see um far more speedy um progress than we saw or have seen from kenneth murray but you know we'll let this season play out before we decide uh that kind of depth mm. chart conversation you're probably still gonna see him come in situations or you know Passing specific downs, packages yeah. yeah that's right but Doing a good job, pretty good. He was unlucky on the wheel route um, to Miller, that mm. connection. That was a great throw by Winston. Great throw and um, catch, yep. But, you know, the next snap he picked up, he's, I think he was in coverage again and, you know, got a stop straight away or he was involved with a run stop. Um, so, you know, he just he, – he's got that mentality and it's really, it's really awesome. Watching, um, watching, um, watching Tooley as well, and PFF gave him a fairly average grade. So I looked at that and then looked at the tape, and I didn't think he played perhaps as bad as um, what, and the pass rush as well. I didn't think he was as bad as as perhaps um, the grading said. But there was a situation where it, it gets me really excited, and and like McFadden as a rookie, where I saw I see smarts, I see 
um, a want to do something after you've done your job. So whilst McFadden might do his assignment and then, uh, sorry, um, engage and execute his assignment, then look to continue the play, look to do something else. The smartness of Thule was fascinating to see. It was about two minutes to go in the first quarter. And this was just before his tackle for loss, the big tackle for loss that all got us really excited. The snap before, the two, a couple of snaps before, he, get, he gets held up by the tight end quite quite badly. Um, he tries to power through. The leverage is just not right. And you can see him, he's really stuck. The tight end gets hands on him and um, it just doesn't work. Now, then that the, the, the tackle for loss, what he does to Trevor Penning, he should be arrested for because Trevor Penning has got no, no fucking idea about what, uh, Tully is going to do because he thinks that, okay, he's seen last snap. All right, Tully was, he, he wants to beat me with power here. This is what's going to happen. What Tully goes, hold on, I'm going to line up, or I'm lining up slightly outside of his Trevor Penning's left shoulder. And what he does, you see Penning go to make contact, and Tully just goes whoop, straight across his, across yeah. his face, around bang, tackle for loss. And then yeah, swim that was inside counter. And I mean, off. you know, Trevor Penning's a first round draft pick tackle. So, and then the next one after that, that people might not have watched, he then powers straight back into Trevor Penning and Trevor Penning kind of is a bit worried too. So what you're seeing there guys is you're seeing a guy that's smart is not just a one trick pony. He's clearly learning and going um, and obviously learning things off both. So yes, sir. Yes, sir. Joey, Joey, did I do that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. So man, that's exciting. That, that really got me got me going you you can you can tell by the way that he that he is on the sideline well after he's you know done his job for the day he's he just lives and breathes it and so he's just got a perfect kind of mentality to just continue to improve and try and be the next bosa or mac or better it's very very exciting um we spoke a little bit about him last week and i think we saw i i felt like i saw improvement uh, for the most part in JT Woods. Mm. Um, although I think he has a little bit of competition <clears throat> for that sort of safety, what are we, three, maybe not safety three spot, but in the in the mix for some backup snaps. Um, I'll get to that in a sec, but yeah, he had, had a, a pass breakup, uh, JT Woods. He was involved a lot in, um, in run defense, getting some stops and assists, tackling, playing quite close to the line of scrimmage at times, um, but still had some like really Ill, ill-disciplined moves. Um, there was a, a stop at the sideline and after he took his helmet off and smashed it into the ground, just like a weirdo um, or a psycho more so. <laughs> and then after another one, maybe his one of his pass breakups, he spiked the ball and didn't get called for it which is just really insolent and immature kind of thought process for a guy that did, like did you notice said, that on the watch when you had your eyes closed or on the no re-watch? i was awake this time yeah <laughs> i was awake this week very good uh yeah so i saw a little bit of improvement but still got to fix that mental aspect of um of his game because I would have I would have no doubt that he would have been spoken to after the head slap, which cost him money. Surely they would have said something. And then he has two little kind of weird outbursts. Um yeah, just you know, get the pass break up, get around your teammates, pose for a photo like the Jack Boys of old. Don't go doing was it Stevie Johnson 
who got that first down, spiked the ball, and then cost us a, del- a delay game penalty. Jeez, that's years and years back. ago. Wow, yeah, Stevie J. Yeah. yeah, I just I remember that stuff that just makes me so mad because it's dumb as yeah, all hell. Dumb. But dumb because he was his best. Is clearly his best game as a Charger. Yeah, clearly, I agree. Yeah, it's just moments he like actually, that where you're like, he was around the ball, PBUs, tackles. Like, he got sucked he, in on an early I, one on a screen early, but I think did. Yeah, most yeah, of yeah, the guys completely missed miss that. Yeah. Yeah. But on the whole, like better. The guy that is impressing and just who seemed to be everywhere is Raheem Lane. Um, really busy on special teams, uh, four tackles on defense. Um, I don't know. It's just he's, he's impressing. He's impressing me. He's standing out. I don't think too much of it, but um, maybe just a little bit of competition. If only Woods could get his head right, I could start playing better football. But I think... Well, I think Lane, he's going to make the roster. Yeah, probably as a safety four. I think he's jumped the gun on um, uh, Webb. Staley loves him too. Yeah. yeah. I'm worried about him in pass coverage personally. I thought I thought that the hype for Lane was a bit overblown. Rewatching, he gave up that really nice catch to the Saints tight end, Cruel. He just looks like he doesn't know what he's doing in coverage. But that's okay. He's a strong safety type who's a really good tackler and plays special teams. JT Woods is probably the opposite, right? Mm. He wants to exist out in space with breaking up balls and it's the tackling close to the line of scrimmage stuff that he's still working on. So well, Lane, Lane, not Lane weirdly enough, played yeah, 20, right. 26 snaps in the slot. That's where he played most of his, that's where he, that's where he played most of his, um, I guess he's close to the line of scrimmage, isn't he? Yeah. It's interesting. I I don't know if I trust. Probably I don't because know I... you don't know if you trust. Oh, JT Woods, Jasir Taylor, just yet. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, we haven't seen much from Gilman uh, uh, because he's been injured. Um, but, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see who that slot cornerback is or the, whether that sort of that nickelback who, who's going to come on um, in those in those packages. But, yeah. Yeah. Al, what, we struggled a little bit against the big receivers against um, the Saints with Davis and Kroll. What do you put do you have any concern about that do you think we were playing small um just taylor in particular struggled and really concerns me is that slot option at the moment because yeah. do we have an uh like do we have an answer to the bigger guys the bigger receivers yeah i think for tight ends the answer is derwin and for bigger receivers michael davis and or jc jackson so i think what we're seeing is really a backups thing there aren't a lot of cornerbacks who are are slot corners who can cover tight ends we could see a problem with asante or jasia as you've just mentioned on those kind of big strong kelsey type tight ends yeah dalton kincaid other good ones that the team has to face this season I think it's just like that is a general problem with wide receivers on DBs. You're always going to have size advantages as a six foot four, six foot five wide receiver or tight end. I think we're probably better placed than most teams in terms of having a few DBs who can got a bit of stick it to that type of receiver. So Al, in a in in a nickel package, then who's in injuries aside, what is the what does our nickel package look like in terms of so who who lines up where? Yeah, yeah. Nick, Nickel is, if JC Jackson's healthy, he's outside. Michael Davis is outside. Asante Samuel's in the slot. Alohi Gilman is a safety. Derwin James is the other safety. As soon as we go into dime, it kind of just depends on the down and the distance. But I think you're mixing it up. Then you're maybe going Derwin as the dime linebacker. 
JT Woods and Aloe Gilman as the two safeties and probably maybe on early downs, the slot corner is Jasia rather than Asante. It all changes if JC's not healthy. Then suddenly Asante Samuel's outside corner. Yep. Jasia is inside corner. Yeah, yeah interesting. Mm. I, th- I think we've got size. We've got the speed. Uh, whether we've got the head, that's the... Uh... And I guess I was yep. alluding to that earlier, is this this airborne stuff. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. But is it is it... We've talked about, you know, this is Staley's third year. The framework is built. People know the schemes. We know that they know that it's going to be a mix of man and a bit of zone. They know their assignments. They're kind of working together. They understand it's a, it's a space defending scheme. They understand what everyone else is going to do. And we've heard over and over again, SJD, you know, being like, oh, it takes takes at least eighteen months to know the guy next to you, what he's going to do and what he likes, all that kind of stuff. So um, I will again predict, and I will again predict that the defense starts out really hot, the offense is going to take some time. And everything that has been said in Popper's reviews and we've mm. seen at training camp is that Herbert might be taking a little bit of time to get used to what's going on and the defense is playing out of their minds, hence these interceptions by JT Woods and uh, Asante Samuel, Samuel Jr. and all this kind of stuff. Um, all right. Good call, Jack. Alistair, you... Yeah, sorry, I'm sorry, Andy. I feel like I'm going to Alistair all the time. I don't know why I am, but... Um, I apologize. I've got a question for you later. Uh, what is there a spot for Jared Clark? 72. Big boy. Ooh, I'm going to slap it down. Love this boy. Love him. Love the re- I love the run defense this week in general. Kept the Saints to 63 yards from 24 carries. 2.63 yards a pop. That is awesome. That's dudes fighting for their jobs out there. Don't know, don't know if Jared Clark, Gerard Clark, will make the final fifty-three because it's tough. If t- it's tough sledding, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on what your view is, it seems that Nick Williams is making the roster, even though we haven't really seen him at all because he's just not playing in the preseason. And Staley signed him from the Giants, and he was with him in Chicago. So to me, that means you're going to have Austin Johnson, Fox, Sebastian Joseph Day. You're going to have uh, Nick Williams. I might have just forgotten someone, but uh, fighting for that final DT roster position, I think it's this competition between David Moa, Gerard Clark, CJ Okoye, Terence Lang, Christopher Hinton. I think there's only room for one of them. I like Clark because he's the only big, big boy who, to me, I saw him stop the run on three different snaps against the Saints. The problem the Chargers have had is when Staley plays his tight front, where you only have three defensive tackles on the field at the zero technique opposite the center, two on the four eye, which is just inside the offensive tackle, that you're playing gap and a half responsibilities as a defensive tackle. So your nose guard has to be sturdy. And Staley keeps running SJD or Austin Johnson in that spot. And last year didn't really work. He had to resort to zone run blitzing and other things like that. Gerard Clark projects as a dude who can actually do that the proper way. And Lance Zerline had him as a fifth round graded prospect coming out of Coastal Carolina. He only slid due to some pretty serious injuries. He looks good out there. So, geez, if he does make the 53, I hope to God he clears waivers because I can see him doing a bit of the Fahoko stuff this year where he either starts on the 53, goes to the practice squad, but I think he's got a role to play. What do you, what do you think, Andy? Have you noticed him at all? 
Yeah, I thought he was awesome. He's such an athlete. Just good such such a move. He's got that ability to to move off blocks as well to to chase out the the runner or um yeah, he's just he's got great size. Uh, sort of got a technically, I guess, an assist in a sack. Um, Good penetration that, that hit and finished well. up, and he just did it really. You, that was yeah. everything I've just said was perfect in that play. Shed the block off the tackle, got out into space, made Winston come back in, and then Chris Hinton jumped all over him. Um, whether yeah, like you said, I think Tito might have been the one that you were missing in that list yeah, potentially. Um, it's a pretty crowded room, so it really depends on where they decide to lie a deficit as to whether there's a spot for him going forward. But yeah, he's got great size, great athleticism. Haven't seen anything but pretty good stuff from him. Andy, I said I had a question for you. And I, I've asked a couple, but I felt like I've been directing the tail. So I apologize. Um, CJ Okoye, love, feel good story. Is is this a, is this another young way coup and we sign him because we want to you know feel good we want to connect with the community we want to see like the charges are going to be this place where you know a kid from africa or, or somewhere there where's he from what's what's the nigeria nigeria kid from nigeria comes in looks good for the nfl talent africa or somewhere there oh, sorry play <laughs> on <laughs> I apologize, I Nigeria. I should have said that. Shit out. It's like Australia or somewhere there, you know, big country. Yep. It could be from anywhere. Very good. Um, you know, do you reckon he, well, two parts. Do you reckon he clears waivers if we put him on the practice squad? Uh, or do you sign him? Uh, or do you sign him because he's such a feel-good story and he's developing so quickly? Or is that a thing the charges of old would do because it's a silly thing to do? I'd really like to hope we don't just sign him because it's a feel-good story. That's the most revolting thing. I've ever heard. <clears throat> Could be a Chargers thing to do though. Will he clear waivers? He's a he's an animal, man. Um, watching that, there's like there's some kind of raw athletic anger and talent, um, and I'm not going to suggest where that might come from in his life earlier or otherwise. But he is um, just an animal, and it's really fun. I don't think he makes the roster. I hope he clears waivers and we can land him on the practice squad. But um, yeah. is I don't the team going to put him on the 53 yeah. to, to not clear waivers? A team would need to put him on the 53 who's never seen him inside their building. Yeah, okay. yeah. I don't think that happens. I think he clears waivers. I just wanted but to yeah. do that. It's dance. exciting. He does the really cool sack dance that I really love. Easily the best celebration that I've seen on the charges in a very long time. Other than when Joey Bosa did the, uh, the tea bagging, uh, the Fortnite tea bagging was very good. Uh, yeah. and, and that's the other thing. What's the, who's a player here, you know, that might clear waivers if we put them on the practice squad? Could it be, I mean, I mean, where's, where's Matlock in all of this, you know, as, as, as a, as a defensive tackle. Oh. That's who I forgot. Yeah. That's who yes. I forgot. Cause Tito, Tito's going to start pup. the year on yep. the pup list. Yeah. I think Austin Johnson's off the pup. Matlock ain't going anywhere. Baby. No. Like, oh. So this is the charges. The charges do not cut draft picks yeah. the year they draft them. I can't think of maybe Tevin Reese. There are very few. Jesus. Basically, if you're a draft if you're a draft pick, you make the team in your first year. And Matlock's actually and, flashed. And also, oh, yeah. So, so he was good as well. Yeah. Showed shout great out, speed too. And Shout animal. out to Matlock because whilst Spanos was being t- spoken to in the booth, there was actually a very, very good play that he made because he picked up the short pass and he was able to tackle and stop and leave it to a field goal. And that was never even talked about because it was um, there was John Spanos on the mic. So um, Matlock showed enough. I didn't think he showed as much as he did last week. 
I was I was watching him quite closely. He seemed uh, his tackling was not as strong, I didn't think. Um, but again, you know, he's kind of, he reminds me a little bit of Max Crosby. I, I don't know why, just sort of his facial features and how he operates. Max Crosby is far more of an athlete and a sort of edge. Um, but Matlock's got that dog in him. Uh, don't mind it. Don't mind it at all. Yep. He was probably the last lineman that I wanted to touch on as well. But I think that's just kind of it. Um, let's touch on special teams. Dustin... Uh, Hopkins got out there, kicked an extra point. Um, good on you. <laughs> Dick, 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 Dick looks solid, and I think it's his job. So, um, yeah, solid Dick. Cut the fat. Yeah. Tackling and coverage is looking really impressive. And if you follow PFF, we're actually the first ranked team with a above 90 grade in special teams, which is actually a dream come true, just about for well. Look, let's not go too hardcore, but for Chargers fans, special teams has been an absolute woe for since a friend of the show, Darren Bennett's days, let's put it that way. Um, Jack's going to have a bassinet for the baby girl and then a shrine, just an ode to coach Fucken Ficken Fiken. <laughs> it's going to have each, each pronunciation is going to be written in like different baby yeah, letters. Yeah. Just over a little photograph of Different Ryan. Animals I have, I have rose, rosary beads and I go, Ficken, Fucken, Fiken, Ficken, Fucken, Fiken. Number one, special teams in the league, baby. Yeah, it's good to see. We're seeing a lot of hungry guys out there flying around making tackles. I was a little concerned. I think it was Raheem Lane on the first play of the day just flew past the return and I was like, but he worked his way back into it and they're hungry. So it's good to see. Um, Pun- JK's punting was great. Oh, sorry, Andy, you said that. Yeah, he's, he's punting really well. Um, yeah, and the protection looks good. The gunners look good. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens uh, with with the next week as we move into the 49ers. Um, until then, guys, unless there's anything from the, either of the two of you, um, guys, thanks for tuning in. You can find us. Please join us on Twitter if you have it um, at TDU underscore charges. We we love a bit of that. You can see it just at the top of the screen on the left above Ali's head. Uh, Jack's put together a little drawing and stuff. Bunch of spare time on his hands. Lucky him. Um, yeah, jump on Twitter and uh, get in, get on the discourse with us there. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, like and subscribe and uh, give us a recommendation on your audio podcast devices. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. Bye. See ya. Good night to all!